You are listening to The Gospel for Geeks. I'm Father Roderick, and this is a recording of my Sunday homily. You can find more information about the Bible readings in the show notes. As a massive Tolkien fan, I was eagerly looking forward to watching the first two episodes of the new Rings of Power television show on Amazon. And even if you haven't seen those episodes, you probably will already have heard the, 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 all the, the reactions. Some of them are a bit critical because the story is not entirely based on what Tolkien himself wrote. Other people are raving about the way the show looks and the story and how engaging it is. I have to say that I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I think uh, what the series does really well is to bring you back into that universe of Tolkien. And yes, these stories are also the fruit of all these people that admire Tolkien and have worked on the show, but just didn't have the source material available to them and also had to make compromises to, to translate part of that history of Middle-earth to the medium of a television show. It's not a book. And so I'm, I'm not as critical as many people. And I loved uh, the, 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 the whole concept of it's a new story. It takes place way before The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, of course. But it tells the same kind of story. It's a story about different types of people. You've got the, the, the precursors, you could say, the ancestors of the hobbits, the, the Harfoots, little people that live in the woods and very connected to nature. And then you have the elves, very regal, very, very... Uh, spiritual. They have a way of speaking that is, you know, very much like Shakespeare, uh, very noble people. And then you have the man and all the difficulty that they have to live together with all these other races, these other peoples. Uh, th there is rivalry and tension between the elves and man. And, and then, of course, you've got the dwarves and they too have often difficulty living together with these humans and with the elves, and they probably haven't even heard of the Harfoots. And yet, the story takes us along with different characters from these different groups on Middle-earth, in Middle-earth, and we start a journey with them. And from the get-go, right from the first episode, it is made clear that this is a perilous journey. This is a journey that will challenge them because it's not just a journey from A to B. No, it's much more a war that starts. It is a journey during which they will have to confront the, the evil that is starting to corrupt Middle-earth. The evil that, of course, in the story of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, we see embodied in, in a dragon like Schmaug and later on, of course, in, in this very, very huge evil that is concentrated in the one ring. But all that evil that will continue to infect Middle-earth already starts to take root in, in these stories. And so it is, in its core, a spiritual journey. It is a journey in which you are called to follow a vocation, to try to defend the light and to protect the light and those who are fed by that light and are nurtured by that light. But at the same time, the moment you start doing that, you will have to face the counter forces, 
the darkness and maybe even to, to confront those that worship the darkness and that are helping the source of evil to propagate it in the world. And so that is why already in these first two episodes, you see that this is maybe not written by Tolkien, but it is very much what Tolkien could have, could have written. And it is very much what he wrote in his other stories. The Lord of the Rings is not just a fairy tale. I think it is to its, in its deepest core, a Catholic story of the fight between good and evil. And the lesson that those stories teach us is that it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're tall and noble or, or very humble and small. What matters is how much you invest in this journey. It is how much you are willing to sacrifice yourself. And it's the sacrifice and the, the measure with which you give and maybe ultimately even risk or give your life that will yield the fruits of that, of that sacrifice, that will ultimately be stronger than, than death and darkness. Because darkness only takes, never gives. Whereas the good people of Middle-earth are giving without expecting anything in return. This brings us to the readings of day. They are all about this quite illogical idea that in order to gain the kingdom of God, to become part of it, to transform this world into the kingdom of God, it's not about taking, it's not about, about how powerful you are or how rich you are how many armies you have, how big your castle walls are, but it is how big your heart is and how open it is to give. If you look at um, the gospel, Jesus is talking to this massive crowd that is following him. And of course, a lot of these people are, are genuinely touched by what Jesus told them and, and, and they want to, to hear more. And then, of course, there are also many people that probably just came to see this this miracle doer, this guy who can can walk over water and then multiply bread and do heal the sick. They wanted more. And so it's a very diverse crowd. And Jesus turns around and he says, do you have what it takes to go this journey all the way to the end? And the reason that he challenges his audience instead of just welcoming them, hey, let's glad you're here. Let's, let's, let's learn. Let's go together. He is warning them because he already knows where he's heading. He is heading to Jerusalem. And he knows that it's easy to begin a journey. But when you arrive at Mount Doom and you have to climb up, climb up and there's all this darkness and almost all your friends and allies have fallen away, will you then have the strength to complete your journey, to go all the way to the end? That is why Jesus uses two... Um, to analogies or to parables, you could say. But before that, he says something really, really strange and even a bit disconcerting. If you don't hate your parents, if you don't hate your brothers and sisters and your friends, if you don't hate your own life, you cannot follow me. Now, there is a reason I think that he says that, but we can only understand it if we first examine these two examples that he gives of this person who wants to build a tower, but he doesn't really look if he's able to finish the tower. Well, what if you don't have enough stones or you don't have enough money to hire workmen? Then everybody's going to laugh at you. 
because you started something without preparing for it. And then there is this other example of someone who goes to war. He's being attacked by this other king, but he forgets to count his armies. He only has 10,000 soldiers, whereas the other king has 20,000. If you would have sat down beforehand and looked at what you have, then maybe you would just have not confronted this enemy uh, because you're going to be decimated. Maybe it's better to just negotiate and, and try to broker some peace. So this is all about uh, before you head on a journey, take a look inside and see if you have what it takes. If you have enough fuel in a certain way that to, to, to get your car to the other side of the journey. Speaking of which, this is, a, this is an experience that I had on my way back from, from Tuscany. Um, I was driving with Father Henry and Father Harry and we were in Father Henry's car. And uh, my, the, my friends were tired, so I, I, was, uh, uh, I was driving the car. And it was my task to get us through Switzerland. But in order to go through Switzerland to Germany, you have to go underground. There's this huge tunnel, the Gotthard Tunnel. I think it's like 17 kilometers long. It's an, a really, really uh, a long stretch where you're totally surrounded by mountain, basically. And there's two lanes. One lane goes in one direction. The other lane goes in the other direction. And so I was, I was dreading that because I don't like uh, driving in the darkness. Uh, all these lights and especially these cars that are so close to you coming from the other side. It always kind of gives me uh, a bit of a feeling that I'm imprisoned. And, and, and there's always this like, oh, as, as long as I can get to the other side. But what made this worse is that um, we were approaching uh, uh, the end of our fuel reserve. Uh, we had passed some fuel stations, but the prices in, in Switzerland were through the roof. So incredibly expensive. So we were hoping like, well, maybe we'll find a cheaper one. But ultimately we ended up at the, you know, approaching the tunnel and we hadn't uh, uh, fill our, filled the gas tank. And then, well, I was still confident that we could make it to the other side of the tunnel. But what I did not expect was that before we could enter the tunnel, there were these long, long traffic jams. And so we were in this first traffic jam uh, caused by the fact that they're they're, it's, they're, they're, they have this dosage of, of uh, the number of cars that can be in the tunnel at once. And so they stop everyone until you know, there is enough space between the cars. And so that had caused a major traffic jam of a, an hour and a half. And while we were waiting, for our turn to get into the tunnel, I could see the dial going back, back, back. And then this little orange light starts to burn. I'm thinking, oh, we haven't even started our journey through the tunnel and it's already warning us that we are getting out of gas. And so the moment I drive into the tunnel, that dial is almost in the red. And I am so scared that we won't make it. And so <laughs> speaking of, you know, being prepared before you undertake the journey, this was foolish. What if our car would stop because of we, we ran out of fuel? It would be a major disaster. The entire tunnel would be blocked. So, oh my gosh, I, I was so I was so scared. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what happened uh, at the end of the homily. And then there's this other moment that also reminds me of these readings, and that is when we visited the, a town called San Gimignano. And so in uh, San Gimignano is a, is a beautiful city on top of a hill. 
And it used to be part of a, 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 a pilgrimage route from, from Canterbury all the way to Rome. And so lots of pilgrims would visit that town and also spend money there. So it's a very rich, wealthy town. If you approach it, you see that above the city skyline, you have all these huge towers. They almost look like skyscrapers and there are 14 of them. And once you walk into the city, you see that these are not just small towers. No, they are big enough to house a family. And that is exactly why these towers were built. When this town was doing so well, uh, people were trying to show their wealth by building a tower for their family to live in. But of course, your tower had to be bigger than your neighbor's tower. So they would start building more, even bigger towers. And all in all, at one point in the 13th century, there were 72 towers. That entire city was one big Manhattan. But then something happened that changed everything. And that changed this city from being one of the wealthiest and most, most influential towns in the region to one of the poorest. And that was the Black Death. The pest had started to spread. And there were first just stories coming from the bigger cities like Florence. But then travelers, pilgrims, merchants, they brought that very infectious disease also to the town of San Gimignano. And within a few years, all that wealth was gone. Lots of people lost their lives. And so that entire city never recovered from that. And it's, it's a warning from history that even if you've planned planned to build your tower, even if you had the money, it still doesn't mean that it's going to last. Things can change. History can change and, and take a different direction, as we have seen in our times with, well, not the Black Death, but, but with the COVID infections and how much that has hurt our economy and changed the relationships worldwide. And we're still recovering from that. I think this is what in, in the first uh, reading of the Book of Wisdom is meant by the fact that God's plans are different from ours. We have a certain expectation and we make our plans based on what we can see and what we can understand. But God's plan may be very different from ours. Things can suddenly change. And, and then what? There are things that you cannot prepare for in advance. So, how does that relate to the gospel? Because this creates a bit of a puzzle. Jesus says to prepare, but then on the other hand, we cannot prepare for everything. There's just stuff happening that we have no control over. So what gets you through those tunnels in your life? What gets you through darkness? What helps you to keep going even if your life is, is in upheaval and things happen to you that you can't control? I think the most important question that you ask yourself, that you should ask yourself is, what kind of fuel does God want me to put in my car? And this is why before we hear these two parables, Jesus is talking about the investment that he asks of his followers. He basically says, you are used to counting on your family, on your friends, on your membership of all these different groups that take care of you, you take care of them. But if you follow me, you have to let go of all that. You are used to, to 
count on your, on, your, on your money, on your possessions. Well, I tell you, if you want to follow me, you have to get rid of all of that. And you have to invest in the things that have eternal value, that will still be there, even if everything else falls away. And what remains when Jesus is hanging on the cross? What is the only thing that he's got left? It's his faith in God, his Father. And then it's these few people that are standing there beside him underneath the cross. His closest friends, most of his friends have run away, even Peter. But John is there. His mother is there. Mary Magdalene is there. And so the only thing that, that is left at the end of Jesus' journey is the friendship and the faithfulness of these few people. And that is what you have to in, invest in. So yes, it's his mother standing there at the end of the journey, but also John, who he didn't know just a few years ago. He just called him and John started to follow him. So his family is bigger. And then he tells Mary, John and all these people, they are now your children. And to John and to everything he rep represents, he says, my mother is now your mother. In other words, the concept of family is no longer tied to the blood, to your, to your genes that you have in common. This family bond is a bond between the children of God. And so, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to be ready to trade in all these familiar groups that you once belonged to and that, that gave you security and open your heart so that anyone that God sends to you can become your brother or sister. Even that filthy beggar on the side of the road, even that sinner, that public sinner that everybody condemns, even that person who's almost dying there that nobody dares to touch because of the infectiousness of the disease. Jesus shows by, by going to these people, by embracing them, by loving them, and they are as much his family as Mary, as Joseph, as his relatives. And he asks us to invest in the same thing. Let go of your securities. It doesn't mean that it's all bad. And of course, we, we all also have our responsibilities. But ultimately, don't let that ever prevent you from investing in what will be your fuel in times of darkness. And that is your extended family, your friends, the people that surround you, the nurse that will be at your side in the hospital when you are almost dying may not be related to you at all, but she is or he is your brother or sister. And, and that is ultimately what will get you through these times of darkness. And when I apply that to our little online community, I'm thinking the same thing. Most of you have never met will never meet, at least not here on earth. And yet we are all here praying for one another. This is because we know that, that we need this family bond to help us through. And that brings me back to Tolkien. What is, has always been the solution when you have to face the darkness and you feel overpowered and maybe you don't even have 10,000 soldiers, you only have two hobbits. 
how can you still win from Sauron and his countless orcs and other horrible creatures? It's through the force of friendship. Sam carrying Frodo on his shoulders. That is the secret to making sure you get through this tunnel and make it to the end where light starts to shine again. Amen. Hey, it's Father Roderick and I am out for my evening walk about to record my first reaction to the Rings of Power show and also to record a short review and some thoughts on the Buzz Lightyear movie. But I realized that I forgot to tell you what happened in the Godhart tunnel uh, that I started the homily with. So I want to still give you some closure on that story. Well, obviously I made it to the end, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you. So what I did was um, I, I just started praying, which is what you should do when you don't know if you're going to make it or something. You have to start to put your faith in God. And so, I, I know, so the tunnel itself is about 17 kilometers, right? And I started to pray the rosary, and I noticed that I could pray a decade of the rosary, and that would be exactly one kilometer. So I had... 17 kilometers, 17 decades. So that's a lot of Hail Marys. And um, I'm happy to say that it, it worked. Well, actually, I don't know if it worked. Maybe, but it was a good occasion to pray <laughs> because I made it to the end of the tunnel and even beyond that. And so we, uh, we were able to fill our tank. We still paid a lot because Switzerland is such an expensive country. But for me, it was also a good moment to realize that um, when you're in distress and when you don't have a solution yourself, there's always prayer. And that's always something that's going to benefit you. So, so that would be also a, a recommendation maybe to add to the homily is that whenever you are in a situation where you are running out of fuel and you re realize that you, you weren't prepared and you were, you're still on this journey, <clears throat> that's the moment that you can call on God and he's going to help you uh, no matter what. So all good, <laughs> happy ending, and uh, we, uh, we continue to live long and prosper. All right, that's, that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. Thanks for listening and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Gospel for Geeks. You can join me live for Mass every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central European Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Follow me on social media at Father Roderick for a link to the live stream. If you want to contribute to this ministry, go to fatherroderick.com slash donate.